Welcome to Season 3 of Love Unlimited with Helen podcast. In this season, we shall open up our borders and explore the vast richness, abundance, and uniqueness of life. We shall dig deep to learn more about relationships in their every single sense. Our guests for this season are equipped with loads of wisdom and knowledge that I'm also eager to delve into as I learn and grow. Hi, my name is Helen, Certified Master Life Coach and Certified Relationships Coach. Love, life and prosperity drive my curiosity and I love delving into all this with joy. What drives you? If you haven't connected with me yet, please make a point to subscribe to this podcast and share it with your friends. Let's continue the talk after this podcast on social media. You can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And my pen name is Guru Helen. You can also learn more about me and what I'm about on www.guruhelen.com. I look forward to connecting more with you. This podcast is sponsored by Popstar Seize Your Center Stage. It is available on Handbook and Kindle version. You can get yourself a copy on Amazon.ca, Amazon.com, or better still, you can find it on my website at www.guruhelen.com. Welcome to the show. Our guest today is Monica Solomon Glower, a certified advanced grief recovery specialist and fellow griever as well. Her first-hand expertise in grief was experiencing a loss of health, a loss of a family, and a loss of relationships. Her first desire for healing led her to first learn about what grief is really about and what it means to truly grieve. A lack of understanding what grief is and how it should be managed when it manifests is not common knowledge. Lack of understanding is what leads people to develop mental health, struggle, addiction issues, and interpersonal relationship problems. Grief and trauma are highly intertwined and she is passionate about counseling people and providing psychoeducation to help people grieve well and live free. Welcome back to another session of Love Unlimited with Helen. And we continue from our last week's talk about trauma, grief, and how to overcome it. We are also going to talk further now just to learn about kinds of our, our other characteristics of abuse. Because out of the talk of last week, we learned there's a lot to learn about grief, about trauma, about healing, about forgiveness. This is a topic we can cover forever. But you know what? It, it's for you, the listener, that we are doing this and the viewer. The reason is because I have gone through trauma. I have had my own sessions. You have had yours. You've gone through grief. Anyone on this planet, and especially at this time of COVID, where we've lost people abruptly, we've had grief moments that we do not understand. However, how we deal with grief is affected by the abuses and the traumas in our lives. So today with Monica, my friend here, we are going to explore at abuse in relationships and how they affect us. Welcome back again, Monica. 
Thank you so much for having me again. It's always a joy. Thank you. And now tell us about abuse. Is there a simple, concise definition of abuse that every listener can be able to relate with? Yes, there are lots of different ways and characteristics and we'll get into it. But simply put, abuse is where one party or one person, depending on the dynamic, holds power and control over another person or another party together. So it's just power and control in a dynamic where there should be equality between two people. Oh, wow. Okay. Now there's so many of them that have come up to my head or <laughs> the experiences I've had. Of course. And how do you find out? How would you know if you're being abused? What are the signs to look for? Well, there are lots of signs, but one that I heard from a clinical psychologist that I absolutely love is the brain and the emotions are able to lie. The body keeps the score. The body always keeps the score. So if you are noticing that you are generally a healthy person and then suddenly you're noticing some stomach issues, you're suddenly allergic to a lot of things you used to not be, you have constant chronic muscle and joint pain you are finding that you're having trouble sleeping or concentrating or having what we like to call in um, the chronic illness side of it, brain fog. You have trouble remembering, you have trouble kind of focusing. Those could be very good indicators that your body is telling you, hey, I am unsafe, something isn't right. Wow, I never thought of that. So abuse can actually lead your body to not performing as it should. It's not just emotional, it's even physical. Yes. Have you heard of the diagnosis called fibromyalgia? Yes, I have. Yes. So fibromyalgia is a diagnosis that is highly unknown by a lot of doctors, but I have done some research on it. And I've also been a patient who has had fibromyalgia as well, too. I'm headed towards the end of remission, which is absolutely a wonderful thing. Congratulations on that. Thank you. You get to know your body, you get to know your spirit, but fibromyalgia is very much a diagnosis that is characterized by your body being overwhelmed and your body being traumatized in a sense. So there are some people that get fibromyalgia after they've had diagnosis such as lupus, um, rheumatoid arthritis, because the body has taken so much trauma from an actual Mm -hmm. autoimmune condition that the the nervous system is so heightened and then the pain receptors kind of get all jumbled up. I like to imagine it as wires. So we're in the age where things are very much wireless, but Helen, when you and I used to work at Goodwill or not Goodwill, sorry, at um, World World Vision, Vision. you remember when we used to had to untie headphones and how much work that was? Oh yeah. Oh, that nightmare. Yes. I remember. So that's what what happens to our nervous system when we get traumatized and we're overwhelmed. So that happens Mm -hmm. from a, uh, biological sense if you've had autoimmune conditions, but a lot of people get diagnosed with fibromyalgia after experiencing a lot of psychological trauma. Mm, I didn't so know it does, Yeah. So definitely does trauma affect the body? Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. It does. And you may not necessarily get a diagnosis like fibromyalgia, but um, stress and trauma have a way of activating our nervous system and opening up our epigenetics. So have you ever heard of epigenetics before? No. What is that? Epigenetics. Oh, I'm going to blow your mind today. (laughs) Yes, you are. I'm in the classroom today. I love it. I love it. I'm always learning so much from you. Um, So epigenetics is very much a study that a lot of scientists have done to show how our body 
ends up getting certain predispositions. Because if you look at certain families, you got a family of people that have heart disease. You have a family, and we were talking about this, strokes and things, strokes run quite a bit in my side of the family. And I'm convinced that the epigenetics are probably what are the genes that cause it. Now, epigenetics is a special type of study that says my environment has the ability to turn genes on and turn genes off, which means- If I exactly, if I experience enough stress, enough trauma, enough unresolved grief, if my family has a family history of having heart disease, those stresses could trigger heart disease in me. Isn't that scary? And incredible. Yes. It's incredible and scary at the same time. Yeah. It's incredibly scary. That means I need to be very careful because of my epigenetics in our family have a lot. There are diabetic tendencies. There are heart problem tendencies, usually hypertension tendencies. There are addiction tendencies. And all of them have been triggered to all those relatives that I've seen when they hit a certain threshold of stress. Oh, yes. A threshold of mourning, a threshold of what stress, like financial strife. When they hit that point, that's when they go to hospital and you're like, yeah, on top of that other problem, now you have this. And I'm like, ooh, okay. And that's exactly how it works. That is exactly how it works. And the scary thing is, is that, <clears throat> excuse me, all of these stresses add up. So we don't realize how much is taken a toll on us until we've hit that threshold. And then we start to see our symptoms. But usually we hit that point of stress way before that first symptom ever hits. Okay. Yes. So you sh- when you start losing your sleep, it's time to check with your stress levels. 100%. And it's very good in the biopsychosocial sense to check in with the social aspect. Who is your social environment? Who feeds into um, your worthiness and who feeds your character? And who is taking away from it? Because a lot of times these stresses, as sad as it is, they're related to people. People stress All the time. <laughs> my cup doesn't stress me. My no. food doesn't stress me. But because people stress me, I end up drinking more and I end up eating more or end up sleeping less. It's hun- it's not sometimes. I think it's all the time. It's people. Yeah, it's people. <laughs> Let's go to where they are. Let's go yeah. now to families. Yes. How do I know? Maybe I'm a, I'm a counselor and I go to a family. What are the signs, apart from the hospital and other diagnostics that you have mentioned, what are the things I should look for to know that there's abuse going on in this family? In your own personal family, you mean? No, or if- like for example, if I go out, I'm a counselor, I'm a coach. Yes. And you as a therapist, you've been invited to a family that you've been told there's something wrong in that family and yeah. you're suspecting there could be abuse. Right. If you carried a notebook, what would you be looking for? Would you be looking, for example, like maybe uh, reclusive people, intimidation or yelling or physical? What would you be looking for? Because I know there is a sort of a blanket characteristics of these abuses everywhere. You just told me off the line that sometimes abuse is not even physical. And I'm like, "Uh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I thought all abuses are physical because I got quite a bit of the physical one (laughs) I get that that ethnic struggle you talk back you get the slipper oh yeah (laughs) so the only non-physical I remember is the look 
Remember the look. The look? That's enough to murder you, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> I get that look. I get you get that. that look? And you're I, like, okay, time I to start running on. Yeah. So you tell me what to look for in a, a family. Or even if, for example, I am to get married today and yes. I'm going to visit my in-laws to be. Yes. What are the signs that I should look for to know if there's abuse in this family that I'm going to be married to or no abuse? So there are a couple of ways we can go about it. So I will first start off, excuse me, by telling you about characteristics abuse and then yes. styles. Good because idea. Styles are a good indicator that something is not right. And abuse is very much about power and control, but abuse is so terrible. And the reason why it's so criminal and the reason why it destroys our physical health and our mental health and our families is Mm -hmm. because there is an aspect where it is highly criminal. It is highly traumatic. So we need to look at two aspects. We need to look how it manifests. And then we have to look excuse me, how the trauma manifests and the trauma styles that come out of it. So number one thing that I would look for when it comes to seeing if the family and if you're a lady or a gentleman going out there trying to date and see, is this somebody I can create a good royal legacy with? Can she Mm -hmm. be a queen in my life? Can he be a king in my Mm -hmm. life? Can he have royal children that just Mm -hmm. We need to look at characteristics. And one of the biggest characteristics Um, we should look at is narcissism. Now, when I say narcissism, and uh, we're just kind of talking freely here on this podcast, I have my professional training as well, but I'm going to be giving you quite a bit of my opinion as well, along with some of the knowledge I've gained over the years as well. So narcissism is something that you've heard probably quite a bit. You've heard about it here and there. So narcissism is not just necessarily narcissistic personality disorder. There's actually more and more research coming out that narcissism is on a spectrum. So that means that, yes, that means that you can have somebody that you are dating, working with, married to, that'd be very unfortunate, or have kids that are manifesting narcissistic traits. So it doesn't mean that you have to have this very rare diagnosis Narcissism Mm -hmm. is basically characterized by someone who is highly self-centered, doesn't really hold too much accountability for what they're doing for themselves. They're very shame-driven, yet they're very grandiose. So it's almost like somebody who is an empty cup. So it looks like it's full right now, but if you look inside, there's water right now. It's empty. It looks empty because that's how it's manifesting. So one of the biggest traits you can look for if you're trying to see if this could be a relationship that is unhealthy and possibly abusive is to look for traits of narcissism. So what I would recommend to you guys is to take a look at how this person carries themselves. There are two ways that narcissism manifests. It's through the covert style and then the grandiose style. So the grandiose Uh, one is the very easy one to recognize. It's the one that says, I am so great. Look at me. I'm so fabulous. Look at my car. <clears throat> that's that's one that people see and they run naturally. But the tricky, mm-hmm. scary one is the covert narcissist. The covert mm. narcissistic traits are covert, as in they're covered. You can they're think covered, of yeah. They cover it up. And they may start off as being someone who's very humble, very, very sweet, very, very kind. But then slowly you get to see that they will trap you with their... I don't want to say kindness, but with their low self-esteem and you may find yourself people pleasing. And if you don't do enough, then they will get upset with you. And then when they get upset with you, they will apologize. And that cycle of abuse continues. So one of the things 
I know, right? So awful. And that's why it's very hard to leave some of these relationships. I find that I have a lot of empathy for people, especially in my own personal experience that are um, in these types of abusive relationships because you can't leave. Your brain seems to be mentally conditioned and there's this biological and biochemical drive to want to be with this dysfunctional person. So people say that trauma bond, which is something that's a very clinical definition, is very much like a heroin addict needing a fix. Eventually, when we're in a relationship long enough where we're with someone who gives us a lot of highs and then a lot of lows, our body gets addicted to the cycle. So a big red flag for you is if you're finding that you're having a lot of high moments and a lot of low moments and everything is almost too exciting, it's not romance and passion. It's not Fifty Shades of Grey where it's really, really interesting (laughs) and kind of sexy. It's actually very, very traumatic. It's actually very much lacking peace. So if you're finding that it feels like you have butterflies in your stomach, it's a red flag. Relationships Mm. should feel safe and they should feel peaceful. Now, are relationships easy? Absolutely not, because they're two imperfect people coming together, learning about their own trauma styles. But it should never be that your heart, your values, your principles, your interests, your likes should be compromised. And if you're finding you have to compromise for somebody else, it could very well be that you're in a very abusive or could be abusive type of situation. Wow. Yeah. You've had narcissism? Sign up for one. I don't think we'll need to dig deeper. This is something we can talk again and again and again. Of course. Set characteristic number two. Right. So what other sign of abuse is there? What do you what is the other characteristic of abuse? Narcissism, the other one? And the other one I will say, and we talked about this a little bit more in our previous week as well, too, is trauma styles. Now, uh, trauma styles seem pretty innocent at first because we like mm. to think trauma styles are somebody who's been wounded and now they're acting out of the wound. And while that yeah. is very, very true and that there is this victimization that happens when someone mm-hmm. is traumatized, those that have been victimized, if they do not catch themselves may accidentally wound other people. Now I say that very carefully because victims don't often victimize. Victimization and abuse is very much a choice and it is very much a desire and a plan that somebody has to use and abuse someone and shift that power and control so that they can have their will in another person's life. So victims don't always victimize, but victims do unintentionally wound. They propagate it. They don't they victimize, but they propagate it without knowing because it's who they are. It's They're not even aware that they're doing it because it happened to them. They don't think they're victims and they continue doing it on. Exactly. For example, so- yeah, like uh, people who think the only way to love a woman is to beat them up. So this child grows up seeing the father abuse the mother by beating her up. When he grows up, he does the same thinking it's normal. Exactly. So he doesn't feel he has turned a blind eye to the pain and the trauma, but to him, it's an act of normalcy to abuse another person. So they propagate it. They know that they do it intentionally, but they can propagate it. Yeah, propagate it for sure. And that's why I was kind of trying to be careful with my language too, because I yeah. do not ever say to anybody that if you uh, have been hurt, <laughs> And you will become it because there are so many people I'm sure listening to your podcast right now to be like, oh my God, am I going to jail? Cause I'm a nurse. 
Let me tell you a hint for anyone that's listening. If you're questioning whether you're crazy or you're the narcissist, you are probably not crazy and you are probably not a narcissist because the power and control uh, persona is very much characterized by selfishness. It's by saying that I am perfect. I know what I'm doing. I'm fabulous. I'm flawless. And anything I do, no matter how crappy it is, is excusable. So the narcissists don't accept that they are. No, they don't accept that they're wrong. They don't accept that they're wrong. <laughs> oh, do you know some people like that? I know a few. I know quite a few. That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Oh my goodness. So yes, that's one side to definitely see if a relationship is toxic and abusive, but another big red flag, and it may not be necessarily abusive, but it could definitely be very wounding, which could turn potentially abusive, not abusive in the sense that it is a narcissistic, thoughtfully done, purposefully intentionally done. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not intentional in that way, but it can definitely be toxic. So those are the four trauma styles. So if you're going on a date and you notice that you're with your betrothed or your betrothed to be, and he says, let's go over to my mama's house. She's making some tea. And then you find that you go over and have some tea with his mama and um, she gives you a plate of cookies and you take one cookie. And after you are done biting it and you put the plate down, you put the plate a little bit too close to the hot pot and she gets very, very angry at you. It could be an indication that something in her trauma has been triggered and she is now feeling threatened. So she's doing the fight response. Or if you ask her a question hey, I like your cooking, but you didn't compliment her cooking to a very big end. And now all of a sudden she is not. Yeah, Yeah. you didn't go with the turkey or the meat or the stew or the curry. You just said you like your cooking and she's like, oh, so general. Yeah, so general. And then she kind of gets withdrawn. That's kind of a flight and freeze response. So it's a good indicator to see someone's character in the way that they respond. So communication is key. If you find that you are talking with someone and it's not like passing a ball back and forth. And what I mean by that is if you find that your communication is all you talking and them all listening, still not healthy. If it's all them talking and then you listening, not healthy. Not healthy either. Back and forth. And if you find that it's not back and forth and you're unable to express what you need and boundaries are not being honored, and then you give people chances, and then they do it again, it is definitely an indication that this could be a relationship that is emotionally abusive. Not supposed to continue. It's not supposed to continue. Let me ask you, I know we are told in the Bible that we should forgive 70 times, seven times. How many times can you forgive a spouse or a family member who is always abusing you and comes back with a card and flowers in the hand to say sorry i'm just laughing because <laughs> oh my I god you're laughing let's continue <laughs> oh god we gotta edit out the laughs or just keep them it's funny mm-hmm. but so the bible does say and I, I really appreciate that you have your faith in this as well too because it's very much yeah. part of me as well too we share the faith very similarly together yes is that the bible? yeah and the bible does say we forgive 70 times seven so how much do you forgive if you're a christian 70 times or seven times 70 but yeah. how often do you reconcile you only give people a handful of chances it also says yes. in the bible that if you have an issue with your brother and we think brother in the sense hey that's my brother my mom gave birth blood to of bloods 
No, it's not blood. It could necessarily, in that sense, brother could be your spouse. Brother could oh, be yeah. your It could be someone you relate to. It's anyone you relate to, actually. Exactly. So going back to this biblical example, the Bible says that if you have something against your brother, what do you do first? You yeah. confront them. Okay, perfect. Yeah. I'll get back to the Bible side of it. So it yeah. also says in the Bible very similarly, just to the example of forgiving seven times 70, that you can forgive that many times, but it doesn't mean that you have to necessarily reconcile and make your heart a doormat to people who clearly don't respect your boundaries. So what the Bible does say related to our examples of faith is that if you have a grievance with your brother and now that brother could be, um, anyone. yeah, it could be anyone. It doesn't necessarily have to be a blood brother. It could be a friend, yeah. it could be a spouse, it could be a parent, but if you have an issue with somebody, you can go to them and talk to them. It is actually Mm -hmm. totally biblical to confront them. Now, do you confront them by hitting them in the head with this cup? No. No. There is a way to confront. (laughs) And if we're all real, we're all talk here. But the Bible does say that when that first grievance comes up, we are called to confront. We're called to be honest. We are called to be truthful. And we are called to not allow evil into our lives. So we have Uh to confront. And when we confront, and the Bible also says that if your brother gets won over, you have won your brother back to the faith. Mm-hmm. If that doesn't work, they say the next step is to round up a few elders. You go and you get some people you trust. For my case, something going wrong, I talked to my wonderful family friend, Guru Helen. I talk to her. I say, hey, I need to book a session with you, by the okay. way. If you're listening, book a session with her. It's absolutely incredible. She will change your life for the better. But what happens next is that you can then take some good supports and um, the Bible says elders, but we can take that as elders in our lives, but we can also take that as counseling resources. So you yes, have they are. You have a grievance with your spouse. You have a grievance. Wanted. If it doesn't work, go get help. There is nothing wrong with that. You can book a session with Helen. If there is some grief recovery stuff, you can definitely come and contact me. I've got all my stuff listed here in our podcast description as well, too. Yes. And we'll you put can, it in the notes. Absolutely. And you can reach out to these resources. But yeah. the Bible also says is that if at that point, after all of that resource, after all of that confrontation, if that brother does not repent and change his life, you let him go. You treat him as an unbeliever. And I think so many times we mix up reconciliation and repentance when the truth With is forgiveness. Yeah, the two are not related. The two I are love related. how you I, I have never seen it that way, but now yes, you're right. That's why you're told you can love people, you can forgive them, but you don't have to walk together. No, because very much they say forgiveness from a Christian perspective between you and God. Forgiveness is one yes, way. Yes, it's one that way, yeah. That way, it's up way. Reconciliation yeah. is two ways. So if Uh, he and God have decided, because God in his word says that I will cleanse Israel, I will wipe her of all of her sins. She just has to turn to me. When we make that decision, God and I are on the same page. Now, Mm -hmm. me and my hubby, maybe we're not on the same page. Me and my Mm -hmm. girlfriend, maybe we're not be on the same page. Me and my daddy, we might not be on the same page. So that uh, is where it takes two. Just like your book, it takes two to tango. You can't tango. It will always, yes, it will always take two to tango when it comes to communication, forgiveness, and all that. And that's so good because I wanted to make it clear to our listeners and viewers that it is not up to you 
to stay in a relationship that you're being abused and you say, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, there's a limit. And I always tell people, like, sometimes people ask me, how many times can I forgive? I ask them, did Jesus one day take a whip and smack people in the church? Yeah, he did in the temple. Was he happy? No. Would he have forgiven them? Yes. But he had to take them out because they were doing the wrong thing all the time in the wrong place. Sometimes you may want to take out a relationship, not because you don't love those people, but because they are doing the wrong thing and it is hurting you. You need to take out a relationship because you're being the victim of this relationship. And another thing you said, and it just kind of triggered me in a good way as I was thinking about this, is that relationships are not meant to be tough. They're not meant to be Uh, so impossible. They're not meant to be a boulder. They're not meant to be comfortable because relationships make you the best version of you. They challenge you. They're supposed to make you grow. Yeah, they make you grow. But even thinking back to a biblical example, just as you were saying that, Jesus's followers were all imperfect, but Jesus picked followers and he picked a crew. He could grow and he could work with and with and grow in. The Pharisees, the ones that he rejected, were the people he could not work in. All these wonderful men and women that are listening right now, maybe you're faced with situations like that. I'm here to tell you, if it's not somebody that you can grow with and work with, honey, cut them out. Let them go. Cut them. Tip, 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 tip. (laughs) Yes, because relationships are very much about people you can grow with. And I want to make it very loud and clear for those that are listening. They are not meant to be soul crushingly difficult. Relationships mm-hmm. are meant to be uncomfortable. Because like I said, working out, and I was definitely at yoga yesterday. Every time I sit down, whew, I feel those squats. And they make you go on your tips, <laughs> yoga, these yoga poses. You do a lot. But that didn't kill me. That mm-hmm. made me stronger. And that made me slightly uncomfortable. It wasn't unbearable. If it was unbearable, that wouldn't have been yoga. That would have been certified torture. And a yep. lot of you listening, you're in certified torture. You're not meant to be certified <laughs> torture. Hell no. Amen. Preach it, yeah. girl. Yes. Come to this certified coach. Not what we're supposed to be doing. Relationships are meant to have us grow. They are not meant to have us crushed. Yeah. And you heard that very clear. It's not me who said it. It's the certified therapist counselor. Relationships are uncomfortable, but they're not supposed to crush you. And I say this all the time. That's why you need to have muscles in a relationship. You need to know how to communicate, which we'll talk about later. You need to know how far can you be stretched before you snap. You need to know how far can you stretch another person before they snap. You need to know all these things because traumas are an integral part of us growing up. And even in your spouse, they are part of who they are. You cannot unwire that and rewire it. They only need to learn how to live with it and to have self-control. And that applies to you too. Now, Monica, before we exhaust everything about forgiveness, abuse, and trauma, Mm-hmm. I know you have dealt with very many people in different settings and relationships. What is the key punch word that or punchline or the biggest advice that you give people who have decided in spite of all the pain and the trauma to stay in an abusive relationship? What's the punchline? 
And it's well, going to sound philosophical and make it as Make it as candid as possible because we need sure. someone to say it. Why? Why? I want to know why. And usually when I ask that question, because I've asked that question to many a client and to many a friends and even to myself in a couple of situations, why? It usually has to do with I need to prove my self-worth. When that question, why is asked, why are you in an abusive relationship? Why won't you leave? It's usually aligned that something like this. Well, I'm staying for the kids. What does that mean? I don't want to be a crappy mom that leaves a kid without a partner. Well, I'm a Christian. I don't want to give up on my marriage. Well, that shows that I'm willing to compromise the life that Jesus died to give me over a marriage, over an institution that is very oh. beautiful. And that God created, he likens our relationship with him as a bride to her groom, but he didn't make that relationship on earth, the bridegroom one forever. He made the one between us bride and groom forever. But usually when the question is asked why it has to do with, I'm doing this to prove my worth. And the, the whole crux of the matter is, is that abusive relationships destroy your self-worth. So we're trying to find our self-worth in something that is hell-bent losing on us on crushing our self-worth so i like to ask why a wow. lot of times it's a very hard question to hear for a lot of people so i don't always go with the why i go with uh hey you're valuable and when somebody sees oh my gosh this okay. random stranger is treating me better than my so-called mom or dad or my so-called sweet hubby of 50 years is they get to see okay what am i allowing in my life what are the patterns in my life and what do i need to put boundaries around too so why is a big one but also what how do you see yourself do you know that you're valuable if you don't let me treat you in that way and that doesn't mean i'm everyone's doormat i'm pretty much an introvert except for when i talk online with you but what that means is in my character i'm glad i'm able to trigger that <laughs> you are in a good way but um what that means is is that do you see that even a stranger is able to treat you well? Why are you yeah. settling for this in your most key and precious relationships in the name Why? of faith, in the name of motherhood, in the name of Christianity, in the name of religiosity? Whatever, whatever faith you believe in. Why? Why? There you go. Why? Wow. Ask yourself, listener and viewer. Why? Why do you stay in it? Why do you tolerate it? Why do you persevere it? And must you? How yes. valuable are you? Monica? Yes. I think we'll continue again and again and again. This is just the first of many. I'd like to thank you for saving your time amidst your busy sessions, your no. busy days, your studies, just to let us know about ourselves in a better light. I thank you and may God continue to bless you and just highlight you in all your endeavors. Just let God bless you. Amen. That's how I feel about you, my friend, and your wonderful audience as well, too. <laughs> Thank you. Listeners, that was Monica Solomon Glower. Is it the last time you'll hear of her? I can guarantee you, no. <laughs> we have a lot to dig from this mind of a girl. She's a mind with many tunnels and all of them filled with minerals of wisdom and knowledge. And we'll come back to her another time. But for today, Let's say thank you and goodbye. And until next week when we'll delve into another topic and learn some more, this is Helen and Monica saying goodbye. Bye. And that is all we had for today. I'm glad that you learned something, you grew, you enjoyed. 
And I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast, share so that your friends can also learn a thing or two from the platform. If you'd like to get in touch with me, you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Helen Juma, or at Guru Helen on Instagram, Facebook. This podcast was sponsored by Popstar. Get yourself a copy on www.guruhelen.com. And until next week, where we shall invite another guest, learn, grow, and love some more. This is Helen signing out. Peace and love to you all.